Hello and welcome to the Interrobang podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Theodore. Anyone feel like ranting? Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today we are back with a new episode of Reporter Rants. Frequent listeners will know our upcoming guest very well, but first, here's what's making news at Fanshawe this week. The annual Western Fair is returning after two years of COVID-19 cancellations. The fair will run this fall from September 9th to the 18th and is being marketed as Happy Days. Western Fair Association CEO Reg Ash said the campaign is an ode to what many of us are feeling in the event industry after two years of shutdowns and restrictions. Early bird tickets to the fair are available until June 1st for $10. Advanced super passes, which include ride-all-day bracelets and fair admission, cost $40 and are available to purchase right now. The fair is one of London's largest community events, offering work, volunteer, and vendor opportunities. Visit our website to learn more. Fanshawe alum Havaya Mighty made history at the Juno Awards this past weekend. Mighty won the award for Best Rap Album, becoming the first woman in Juno's history to win the category. Mighty graduated from the Music Industry Arts Program at Fanshawe College in 2013. Fanshawe alumnus Taboo was also recognized for his production work on the project. We sat down with MIA Program Coordinator Dan Broadbeck, and that story is coming soon to our website. Now, here in North America, we usually think of the Grammys as music's biggest night, but in Europe, it's a whole different song and dance. The annual Eurovision Song Contest was held last weekend in Italy, bringing together 25 countries in a musical showcase. After all the points were tallied, Ukrainian hip-hop folk group Kalush Orchestra was declared the winner. Ukrainian reporter Lana Strihun spoke to a volunteer at the London Ukrainian Center about what this win means to the people of Ukraine. She also explores the necessary politicization of the contest in a time of war and uncertainty in Europe. Read more now on our website. Now, let's introduce our guest for this week. You know her as one of the hosts of our video news roundups, a frequent contributor to Interabang, and a regular on this podcast. Kate Otterbein, welcome back to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, thank you so much for being here. This is kind of nice to bring back the uh, Reporter Rants series. Um this is like reporter and editor rants. Um, but <laughs> I want to talk about you and cause you've been away for a little while from us anyway. Um, so like, how have you been? Yeah, I've been good. I've been super, super busy. Um, just finished up my internship. I graduated. I am running around like a literal chicken with my head cut off at all times. <laughs> How was, um, so you did your internship at CFPL, right? Yes, I did. How was that? It was such an amazing experience to be quite honest with you, because of course we get the best education possible here at Fanshawe, but nothing compares to being in a real newsroom with people who have been doing it for so many years. Yeah. Um, it was such a great learning experience. And even though I was remote for the 
entirety of the um, internship, it was still great to kind of connect and get to talk to them and see how their end of things works. Is there anything that like surprised you about being in a, in like a real newsroom like that? Honestly, it was kind of more chill than I was expecting. Like, obviously when there's breaking news, it's crazy and you're on it to try and get it out as fast as possible, but it didn't, it wasn't quite as crazy as I was expecting, if that makes sense. Like the everyday is pretty, pretty laid out in the sense of you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing that. Um, and then maybe you'll get one or two calls about like, Hey, can you go out and do this event or this story or whatever? But yeah, that surprised me because I feel like I was constantly busy in my two years at Fanshawe, but that also makes sense because they're trying to make us prepared for anything possible. And I'm sure there are days when there's, you know, something completely unexpected happens, like the Teeple Terrace, um, collapse. I'm sure those days are when it gets crazy, just like how it felt at Fanshawe and goes by in the blink of an eye. Yeah. Well, I mean, like at Fanshawe too, because the broadcast program is like two years, like it's super not condensed, but like you do a lot in that time. And um, my understanding is that like, there's stuff that we cover in that program that other journalism programs, like don't even like daily newscasts. That's very much like a Fanshawe broadcast journalism exclusive (laughs) moment, um, (laughs) getting to do that. Um, And I think too, like, there's this weird myth about newsrooms, probably from like film and television, you know, that like everyone's, everyone's like running around and it's like mostly men and they're like grilling politicians all the time. And like, it's not really like that. Yeah. I think you put it perfectly there. Cause that, that is what you picture and any movie that you watch literally ever basically depicts it as that, like yeah. the movie that Jim had us watch good night and good luck. I don't know yes. if you guys watched that, but it was very much like running around and chaotic, but maybe that was also the time before technology was so advanced. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's kind of easier now to be able to do this job, obviously still like collaboratively and you're, when you're working on a story, it's helpful to like hear from other people too, but there's so much of it that can be done, like just on your computer and without needing to like, you know, just hearing like Jim Van Horn describe what, what it used to look like when like a news story would come through at a radio station and like paper, like printing out from the Canadian press, like slowly. Um, it's just hard to imagine how the pace would have felt like slower and also so much crazier at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we are living completely in a world that is digital, especially after the pandemic. Like, I mean, everything is done at our computer more often than not now, Um, which, you know, bittersweet because it does make productivity a lot better in the sense that you're not traveling to and from interviews all day, um, unless obviously you need video for it. But it is sad that we have become so digital because that people aspect is very much part of what we do. Yeah, I definitely like, it's weird this summer, even just at the Interabang, like my whole thinking has shift shifted about how I'm approaching the job now, because last summer I started and it was completely online. I was working from home. All my work studies were working from home. Um, and now this summer it's like completely different. And I know you weren't there last summer, but now it's like that everyone being in the office 
and meeting and talking in person every day. Like that is just not at all what it was like last year. Um, but it gives us the opportunity to do so much more stuff too. like having you and Johan who recently started as well, like people who are assigned to being actual video reporters. It's just like not something that would have been feasible last year because of the pandemic. Oh, for sure. And I think that's, that's, it's so amazing too, from like my perspective as being one of the employed summer students, because you do like, I feel like as students, and of course, you know this, cause you just recently graduated as well um, a year ago as students, we have had so much of the shoulders up. Like I have professors that to this day, I have not seen in person. Wow. In my entire school career, because everything has been online for those certain professors. And of course it works better for some professors because they're only part-time and they have a full-time job in an actual newsroom, et cetera. But it is so crazy to me to think that I feel like I know these teachers so well, but I've never actually seen them in a room or like, you know, I don't even know how tall they are. I see so many teachers and I'm like, oh yeah, so you're definitely going to be six foot two and they're a lot shorter or they're a lot taller than I thought. <laughs> yeah. What was it like starting at 980 and like seeing, uh, like Mike Stubbs for the first time? <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't actually seen him at the newsroom yet. Cause they're still pretty remote, wow. but I did run up and see both Mike Stubbs and Jim Van Horn at one of the night's games. Mike is so, so much fun. taller than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was going to be like a little bit taller than Jim, but not as tall as he is. <laughs> yeah. It, I, I feel like, I don't know if I was telling you this or someone else. Cause they were, someone was saying like, Oh, Mike, you know, he's so crazy and wild. It's like, I can't even the first day when he came into our class the first time, I don't know if he did this whole song and dance with you guys over zoom. If he did, that would have been amazing. Um, <laughs> but he like came into the classroom and he was, I want to say he was like wearing a suit and he like, he sat down and was like super cold and like kind of mean and then he like turned the whole thing around and was like I'm just kidding like I don't know it was very he did like a whole a whole performance and then was like nah just kidding he literally yes as soon as you're like I don't know if he did this on the first day with you guys I knew exactly what you're talking about because he did it over zoom with us and he like he of course it was different though because he had the suit on and the tie but he didn't have any pants on like oh my god I'm sorry he had pants on he had shorts on (laughs) clarify (laughs) yeah so after he was done he stood up and he's like I don't even have proper suit pants on oh my god I was sitting there taking notes I was like okay so we got to get up at 2 a.m next yes and we have to wear bright pink lipstick yeah (laughs) I was actually seriously taking notes and he's like guys you can't take this so seriously and don't believe everything that you were told You know what? And like from a, from a media perspective, it's probably a super good lesson to uh, impart on young journalists. For sure. And it's funny. He doesn't even remember doing that. Cause of course, once we had a second in the morning meetings, when I was at my internship, yeah, I had said to him, I was like, did you do that thing this year? And I explained like, you know, where you're acting like you're this strict mean teacher and he's like I don't actually know if I did and I'm like bro you got to keep that going like that is that is literally how I remember him and I think it's so funny because it he is the complete opposite yeah well and I think him and you know it's kind of like a testament to what you were saying is that like once you get once you get out there in the industry and I found this like when I did my internship at CBC as well like I thought of this place as like the pinnacle of 
like professionalism. And I was so anxious every day, um, going in and I was doing it over zoom, but it still felt like, Oh my God, like I have to be like the best version of myself all the time. And then we would get into our story meetings and everyone's just like joking around, you know, like (laughs) I worked on a really fun show too. So a lot of our conversations were about like someone did a story about anime. Like it was all just way more comfortable than I expected. Um, but what it did is that it, it allowed us to feel like, okay, this is a safe space to discuss our ideas and not feel like afraid of each other. Um, but I just feel like, yeah, the truth about this industry is that most people in it are actually very kind and pretty cool. (laughs) Of course. And I mean, I completely understand where you're coming from because it is intimidating. Like internships are always so intimidating and scary. And I felt the same way, even though I was completely remote and like the remote part of it though, almost, I don't know if from your experience, it almost calmed me down a little bit because you're still in a familiar environment, even though you're in a new position technically. So I was glad that I got to start off as remote. And of course, throughout the whole thing, it ended up being remote. Um, but you know, it, was still, it was almost comforting, even though I was anxious. (laughs) No, I totally get that. I, you know, I was like, I was equal parts frustrated because the CBC building in Toronto was like so beautiful and it would have been amazing to see it and, and work there. But yeah, definitely there was a part of me that realized I probably would not have been able to do that internship if it wasn't remote, because how could I have afforded to live in Toronto for six weeks? Um, (laughs) And then also, yeah, like I was, I was just at home in my living room and there is, yeah, there is a certain comfort to that. Yeah. And I mean, and that's a great point too, that you just brought up is some people literally cannot afford to go to the big markets for their internship. So that was one plus of the pandemic that it brought a lot more opportunity to students and like me included, I definitely could not afford Toronto for six weeks either. So I knew that was out of the picture because this year more things were in person. Let's talk a little bit about Interabang because you're back now with us and you've already got some stuff on the go. Um, I'm so excited about um, this awesome news about Havaya Mighty. Um, because I do genuinely feel like this is not only like a really awesome franchise story, but it's like a, just a really exciting Canadian music story that just happens to be about someone who came through this college. Um, so I know you spoke to Dan Broadbeck, uh, yesterday and there's a story coming on this, but can you tell me a little bit about like what that conversation was like and just how this is all coming together? That conversation was so amazing. Um, you can tell that Dan is passionate about what he does because um, he gave such amazing answers. And it was also cool for me, too, because I am passionate about music as well and have grown up with music in my life. It's just so cool to put into perspective how how full circle this moment is for him, because he taught her and she was like the first student that they had um, or in the first class, sorry, that did the share the land concert where the MA students of all years, all three years um, will perform for the London community. And they knew right then and there from her drive and her personality and her attitude that she had towards the industry. And then just her stage presence. She just had that thing that makes someone a star. And he expressed how proud he was for it because 
it's it's different when it's your own student what he said rather than you know because there's people that are his age that he might have went to school with or he's worked with or whatever um who have won these big awards but for her to be the first woman to ever win the category and be a Fanshawe grad it just shows what Fanshawe is capable of teaching their students and it sets the precedent for the Junos as a whole, to be honest, that was one of his big points that he made that this changes the trajectory of the Junos because there are so many awards that are male dominated. Mm-hmm. Um, and this can open up the opportunity for, you know, women and others, to be honest, um, coming up in the music industry that can really use this as their motivation to shoot for the stars. Absolutely. You know, this I think this year too was also the first time that um, an award was given out for traditional indigenous music. Um, and I think it's just cool to see, like, I mean, every year there's so much discourse about the Grammys and, you know, these big budget American award shows that have just seemed to like struggle to keep up with the times. Um, and p- folks in Canada really like to pride themselves on saying like, well, we're not like that. We're not like that. But then you know, it's okay. Well, how can we actually show that? Right. Um, and it's almost like, like you're saying, like a really cool chance for the Junos to actually like make a positive change and hopefully influence, actually influence new artists. Right. Just looking at the record of that award that Havaya Mighty just won. Right. Like it's, it's right there on paper. She's the first woman to do it. So it's clear that, you know, it's, this is, I mean, this is like the sign of progress, right. Cause it doesn't happen overnight. But now hopefully this is like a new chapter in rap music in Canada. Cause I also think too, that like, there really is an amazing hip hop scene in this country that it's awesome to see the Junos recognize that and to recognize like a young woman is just so awesome. Oh, for sure. And I mean, that's another thing that Dan said too, is Canadian hip hop and rap is kind of seen as like, why would you go to Canada for that genre? Like, you know, that's kind of how he explained it, like country music to American country music. Mm -hmm. It was basically made in the States. And so who would come to Canada for country music? It's kind of the same, the same stigma. And this opens it up that there really are amazing artists. And he said that Havaya, and I would agree, is not a regional artist. She's very international. She's very worldwide. There's something that she just has that make, you know, because she's not singing the national anthem right (laughs) yeah so I don't know I think this is a big step and I'm so excited to talk to Havaya about this because that is coming hopefully in the next coming days whenever she has time in her schedule because this is so huge yeah this is really big and I think um like you said it just it speaks to what coming through this college can lead to you lead to and then the combination of like the skills training that you can get here with honestly, like just having that X factor, um, truly like anything is possible. Um, I want to talk about another story because this one is, I'm curious if you're like following or know much about the Western fair, because you're like, not quite from this area, but I know that it's kind of a draw. Um, so it's like coming back this year, which for me is very exciting because I grew up in Toronto and, um, we had the exhibition, which was huge. Um, and I, the Western fair is kind of like the Western Ontario equivalent of that. 
So have you ever been to the fair before? Or have you heard that it's coming back this year? Girl, I have heard, <laughs> and I'm so excited. We have gone every single year for like as long as I can remember. And I was oh, so gosh, sad yeah. when it stopped happening yes. because like the food and the rides and the, oh, I'm so excited for the pig dogs. <laughs> That's so I see. I've never actually been to the Western fair because I, like I said, I grew up with the CNE, which is, they're very similar from my, what I understand. Have you done the X before? I haven't. Okay. Unfortunately. I it's, want to, but it's the same vibes, probably just more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it'd probably be a little bit bigger though, too. Yeah. Like I, I think that like the pavilions that they have in Toronto are so huge. Um, and there's like, they really, I, I like the actual like exhibition part of it. They have the same deal, like agriculture, um, vendors and all that stuff. But, um, in Toronto, they have my favorite, they have this, it's like a building that's just for food. Um, and that's where all like the iconic fair foods are, but I feel like I would, I would like a slightly smaller version (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) It's truly overwhelming. Um, so are you, I guess I know, are you going to go this year is the question. Oh, of course. I'm even planning to go twice because I'm going to go once with my family. And I live with a couple roommates who are international students. So one is from Dominican Republic and the other one's from Kazakhstan. And I'm like, you have to get the true London experience while you're here because they haven't gotten that experience yet. And I'm like, we're going. (laughs) Well, and it's truly like, it's, it's honestly, it's like Canadiana because this is like such a fixture of not just London, but this province, like I was reading back on the history of it and just hearing how far back this goes and how similar to the CNE, it was like this opportunity for vendors from all over to come together, compete, right? The the like agricultural competitions, we just don't have in America. I'm sure there's like fairs everywhere, like state fairs and things like that. But these are the Western fair and the CNE are kind of like the two major fair staples really in the country that I know of. Yeah. And there's so much fun. Like no matter how big the fair is, they're always fun. And like the fact that the Western fair and the CNE are so big and so well-known makes it even more fun (laughs) in my opinion, because there's more risers. Um, like they hook up this, it's almost like a ski lift, but it takes you around the entire Western fair. Yeah. 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 I have never done it because I'm deathly afraid of heights, but it looks so fun <laughs> just to see everything. It's and nice because it moves nice and slow. So you can kind of get a nice yeah. view and it's not too scary. <laughs> yeah. And like, you don't have to wait behind people, you know, you can see everything and you're moving and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is so fun. Like I had a couple of friends when I started in the UK, when I was in university, I had a couple of friends that came and visited me after I came back. And one of the things that we, we did was go to the fair. Cause it was like, you need to see like, this is what it's like. And they just don't, it's not, they don't have that in the UK. It rains too much. Probably. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, I didn't know you studied in the UK. I feel like I need to get your stories about this at some point. <laughs> Honestly. No. And like, I tell everyone like, well, probably I, I love talking about international exchanges and I truly do think if you can do it, it's, it's worth it. Um, yeah, I can tell you the full story maybe uh, off the mic, but it was a time. <laughs> it was a time. The UK I feel is like so terrifying because like you're away so many miles away from your family. Yeah, like I was definitely um, there was apprehension for sure, and I just remember. I mean, I've always been super independent, so I was I 
I went away for school initially. So I was, I was kind of already like drawing separation, but then this was like, okay, now I'm like actually gone. There's no going back from this one. Um, and I stayed pretty much the whole time. I think I came home for Christmas. Um, and then I went back, I was originally only going to do a half year. And then I didn't get into the one school that only offered half years. And the only other school that was available in the UK only did the full year. So I had to go for the whole eight months. Um, so it wasn't even like in the, in the stars for me at first, but honestly, I'm very glad with how it came out because I think if you only do the half year, you actually don't have a lot of time to fully assimilate, you know? Oh, for um, sure. You like, always still feel like a tourist. Yeah. Like by the time I felt, I only really started feeling settled by around Christmas time, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And then also like the years are, the school years are laid out differently. So you would like go to class for two months and then you'd get like two months off. That sounds so much better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was so, so it was awesome because you would just, once you're in Europe also, it's so easy to travel in Europe. Um, getting across the ocean is the hard part, but once you're there, it's like, now I can go everywhere and it costs like 40 euros for a plane ticket. Um, so it's much easier once you're, and you have all this free time. Like it's just, it was, um, for those reasons, I would, that's the best part just to be able to see, um, everywhere else in Europe. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, okay. Now looking a little bit closer to home, uh, we've got a, another story and I know, You've been pretty vocal in the past about your thoughts on politics, um, but <laughs> certainly um, the other big thing on on our radar right now is the provincial election. So, have you been following this campaign at all? Are you like paying any attention? I am, as a journalist, I am a little bit ashamed to admit that I have not been following super super closely. Obviously, the bigger stuff I have seen. Um, But I mean, yeah, I am personally not super into politics. I just, I've never gotten into it and I find it a little bit boring. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. Now that I know, like I found out the other day that advanced polling is starting like ASAP. So I definitely need to start getting into it and researching the parties and figuring out who exactly I'll be voting for. Cause that's one thing about me that I will proudly admit I am not stuck to one party. I very much try to shape it to what I think the world could use and what I think our, in this case, our province could use. For sure. I think that's actually a really smart way to approach it. Cause yeah, I think people do kind of get stuck in their ruts with who they, the parties they stand by. And it's like, nothing can ever change that, but it's, it's good to kind of explore all the parties platforms. We do have a story on our website right now that offers some helpful guidelines for particular issues that are of interest to students as a student. Like, are there any issues that feel particularly important to you right now? Like party notwithstanding. This is one that I know has been talked about, but affordability of everything. Like Life is so expensive right now. And as a student, it is hard living basically paycheck to paycheck, trying to pay for your rent and your tuition and your food and gas. For example, if you have to drive, like for me, I have a car Mm -hmm. and that is what I use to get to stories, to get to work, to get to, you know, back home if I need or want to go back home. Like it is so expensive to live that affordability, whether it's even, you know, putting the OSAP payments back up, because I know those were lowered a while ago. Mm -hmm. um, That is something that is 
so on my mind because it's needed in my opinion. Yeah. 100%. You know, in previous provincial elections, I feel like OSAP has come up a lot more. Um, I've noticed that the conversation has kind of shifted. I see a lot more discussion of, um, ODSP this time around, which is actually like obviously very valid as well. Um, but I think students should remember that like this, this is the provincial election for me anyway, feels like one that students should have their eyes on a little bit more just because so many things that are covered in the provincial jurisdiction are things that directly impact student life. Like you said, all those things that fall under affordability, education, housing, healthcare, right? Like this is all like directly impact impacting the lives of students. Um, so yeah, this is a, it's going to be an interesting few weeks, uh, but it's coming, it's coming on so hot. Like, I feel like I, I blinked and it was like, okay, like the, the campaign started, I'm seeing the ads and all of a sudden, like I'm voting, I got my voter card in the mail. Like it's happening very quickly. Oh, for sure. I agree because it feels like it was just like last week that they announced that it was going to be, you know, the election was called. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird time. So we're going to just like be making sure we're going to keep people updated on our website and, you know, try our best to, to sift through all this information. Cause honestly, like, I'm actually grateful that you are one of those people who's like not as interested in politics because it helps me get a sense of like, okay, how would I communicate this to someone who looked like looked at me and said, I don't care, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'll be like, what does this mean? And then, yeah. you know, <laughs> what we can work on and make more clear. Yeah. And it's truly like the parties don't make it very easy to understand always. Oh, um, no, they don't. No. And there's no, no, no way to ever know like how much of what, what they're saying now is feasible or going to be done later on. So it um, seems, everything kind of seems calculated, but yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of the stuff you got to watch for when you're trying to make your decision. For sure. So that the, all we, uh, the best we can do is just try to get the information out there. Um, that's why I love this job. We could, we just get to be like the, the harbinger of information and hopefully make it a little bit easier to digest for people. Of course. And that's how, you know, you're passionate about it. Cause like, it is not fun for me at least trying to dig through like complicated information from politicians because it can be a lot to try and be like okay what does this even mean like it's the same with like council meetings their jargon they use Mm, is so hard to understand yeah and I I think council (laughs) meetings are another one of those things that I don't know how maybe like parks and rec tried to like depict what a council meeting is like but like when you go to one it is so long and it is like, so like they, you're, you're there to hear about like one thing, but they got a hundred items on that, that <laughs> list today. Like, and you're going to sit through all of them. <laughs> and like, typically for me, at least I record it all too. So then you have oh, so yeah. footage or not footage, but so much recordings to go yes. through because what if something else important comes up? <laughs> yes. Um, okay. I want to end on this little sidebar because I just thought of this. Um, one of the, um, assignments we had to do in our politics class in first year was go to city city hall for a council meeting. Um, and so all of us, like 90% of my class all went to the same one. <laughs> uh, so we were all sitting there like up on the top row. None of us tried to like go where the media goes, of course. not. <laughs> so we're all sitting up top and, um, <laughs> they, they opened the floor 
for comments, like from, from citizens, you know, like they do, um, about like whatever issues people wanted to bring forward. And one of the kids in our class, he thought that it was like question time. So he like, he got up to the microphone and he started asking a question. Um, and the moderator was like, well, what, what do you think about this issue though? Like, do you have a comment? And he was like, you just want to know what I think. <laughs> oh. And it was so, as, and I remember, um, Megan from the London free press. I don't know if you follow her Twitter, but she like live tweets all of the council meetings. Yeah. And, and she, I remember she tweeted about this and was like, Oh, someone just stood up and was like shocked to find out that <laughs> they just want to hear what he thinks. And I was like, Oh my God, that was my classmate. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I feel bad. That's like kind of, that was, that's something that would happen to me. And it sounds a little bit embarrassing. (laughs) I mean, he was like probably one of the chillest guys. I think he just, it, something, something about like, um, sometimes it comes off as like charming, you know, and that was kind of like what this felt like. I was like, ah, yeah, it was like very charming, (laughs) but you just didn't know that this was his time to, to speak his mind. That's so funny. We, I don't even think because we were in the peak of COVID because you yeah. were a year ahead of me. So yeah. your second year was when I came in and it was like super bad for COVID yeah. and couldn't go anywhere. Um, I don't even think we had that assignment, not even online that I can think of. No, I don't know. I th- like, yeah, it was, I mean, I, I think the politics teacher also changes every year um, oh. or at least it rotate. Cause like now my politics teacher, I'm pretty sure is like a full-time musician and like, good for him. Okay. So then we probably definitely had different ones and that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one last non-news related question, and I've been trying to like end on some fun questions for folks. So are you watching or reading anything right now that you want to share with the audience? I'm watching and reading something right now. Ooh, let's hear it. So I just finished binging Boy Meets World on Disney plus. Nice my favorite show literally ever. Um, and I have the box set at home too, which, awesome. you know, that just shows my, my love for it. And I started <laughs> watching girl meets world. Cause oh, yeah. for anybody yeah. who doesn't know, it's like the daughter, not quite as good <laughs> as boy meets world, but still, you know, same um, universe, right? Same universe. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So it's basically Corey, but he's the dad now in the situation. Um, and then I'm reading a book called Paris is always a good idea, which is a super cute, romance novel about this girl who goes to Europe to live and reconnect with her past loves to try and find herself um, after her mother passes away and it is such a good story for anyone who loves love and travel Um, Mm -hmm. I am one of those people I am about halfway through and I'm pretty sure I know what's going to happen so it is a little bit predictable if it does actually happen but it's so good (laughs) yay okay everyone check out Kate's recommendations please that's awesome. Okay. Thank you so much, Kate. Also, thank you so much for this whole conversation. You've been amazing as always. Thank you for having me. Okay. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Interabang podcast. As always, you can catch up with every episode on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and subscribe to our newsletter to keep up with all things Fanshawe. For the Interabang, I'm Hannah Theodore.